Well, today we are continuing our series, The Questions That Jesus Asked. Uh, I don't think we're going to get to all of the questions. One commentator said there are 307 questions that Jesus asked, so we won't get to all of them today, anyhow. But um, (laughs) today we are going to be dealing with a question that Jesus asked in following. He kind of follows up this story that he tells with um, with some, and it's really, it's a shocking story that he tells, and then he, um, he asked these questions. And uh, how many people know that Jesus would t- say some shocking things? Uh, he, he would kind of zap you, you know, just to kind of get your attention, to burn something into your spirit. I mean, it, it was kind of a very um, <laughs> shocking thing when he said to his disciples, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, then you can't be my disciples. I mean, that, that, would, that would wake me up, right? You know, <laughs> like, a, hey, what do you mean here, Jesus, you know? So he said some shocking things. When he said, uh, unless you hate your father and your mother, then you're not worthy to follow me. That, that's pretty shocking. And uh, then when he said, unless you, if you really want to save your life, you've got to lose your life. I mean, in our, that, that would shock us in our natural understanding and our own ability. So um, has anybody ever had a shocking event that just kind of is burned into your memory, your heart, your mind? You know, I've, I've got a few of those in my life. Um, I thought about uh, something, and it's amazing, isn't it? The shocking things tend to just stay with us. You know, we, we reflect upon them. Uh, last year when we were in uh, Delaware, went to visit my mom, uh, that um, we rode down my home street, it's Front Street in Seaford, Delaware, and if you're in Seaford, you know where Front Street is, and, uh, and uh, go, if you go down Front Street, just about a block and a half from my house, there is, um, there's a wooden, uh, actually a, a log cabin building that's a VFW, a Veteran of Foreign Wars building there. And, um, and they do all kinds of things there. But one thing, one thing that they do there is uh, every Halloween, they would have kind of this party and uh, they'd invite the kids to come. And it was really kind of for, for older kids, you know. But uh, when I was about seven, eight, maybe even nine years old, I uh, went down to this party at this, um, in this, this log cabin at this, uh, this VFW building. And um, when I went in, they had food and games and all kinds of things. It was really fun. And so they came to the the end of the evening, and as they came to the end of the evening, they they gathered everybody kind of down towards the uh, the stone fireplace there, and they turned the lights down low, and they began to tell one of those spooky stories. If anybody know what I'm talking about, those kind of campfire stories, you know. And so as they're telling this story, and being one of the youngest ones there, I was kind of on the edge of my seat, you know, and and I heard them, and they told this story about this headless horseman kind of thing. And uh, you know the story? Really, I didn't know the story. So, uh, And all of a sudden, there was this loud scream that takes place, and down the steps of the building comes this headless, uh, just this head floating down the, down, down the steps. Everybody screams, everybody yells, I scream, I yell. I run out the front door and run down the street all the way to my house. And, um, and really, if we never did Halloween again, I would have been okay with that, you know? <laughs> so I, I can still drive down that street and think about that story. But, but shocking things tend to stick with us. And so Jesus does. He tells a really, um, a really interesting story, and he ends up with these two questions. And here's the two questions from Luke chapter 16, verse, beginning in verse 11. It says, therefore... If you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, which uh, mammon means money, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you've not been faithful 
And what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? So these are the questions that Jesus ends up with. We're going to come back to them. But let's see how Jesus got to those questions, okay? So he tells a, a story there. And uh, he, he starts out with this parable, and sometimes it may be in your Bible, it might say at the heading of your Bible, the parable of the unjust steward. And in this parable, verses 1 through 13, verses 1 through 8, Jesus tells the story, and then verses 9 through 13, he kind of makes the application, he explains the story. So let's read this story, beginning in verse 1. He also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So he called to him, and he said to him, what is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be steward. Then the steward said within himself, what shall I do? For my master's taking the stewardship away from me, I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've resolved what I'll do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their house. And so he called every one of his master's debtors to him. And he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, I owe a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. So the master commended the unjust steward. This is kind of the, 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 the shocking part. The master commended the unjust steward because he had dealt shrewdly, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in their generation than the sons of light. Okay, now we go into the application. Jesus speaking says, And I say to you, make friends for yourself by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, who will commit true riches? Uh, trust, commit to your trust the true riches. And if you have not been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. And if I was you, I would highlight that in your Bible. You cannot serve. Highlight it, underline it, whatever else. You cannot serve God and mammon, okay? So what I want to do today is let's just take these scriptures and let's just walk through here and see what Jesus is telling us and how he's instructing us. What we find out in chapter 16 is that, uh, well, actually in chapter 15, Jesus had gone out and he was teaching on the hillsides and he had crowds, large crowds that had followed him. And along with these large crowds had come the scribes and the Pharisees. And they were kind of checking out what Jesus was saying. They were really looking for a reason to bring an accusation against Jesus. And and so Jesus is doing all kinds of uh, teaching, and then he gets into an interaction with the scribes and the Pharisees, and they're kind of questioning him, trying to catch him in something that he says. And then in verse uh, chapter 16, Jesus turns his attention from the crowds and from the scribes and from the Pharisees. He turns his attention to his disciples. Now, here's really what's going on. 
Jesus is going to tell a story and make some points to the disciples, but I think he's talking loud enough to be sure that the scribes and the Pharisees heard him. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Have you ever talked to somebody, but you want to be sure that the others that are listening in the other room, that they get the point also, you know? So that's, that's kind of what Jesus is, uh, is doing here. He's telling this parable, this story with a lesson that will impact uh, the, the disciples, but also is specifically the Pharisees because it's going to deal with money, and Pharisees were lovers of money. Man, they, 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 they kind of believed, and I know that there's some people that would believe this today, they, they believed that if you had money and that you had wealth, well, that was a sign of uh, God's blessing upon your life. Now, I know that we can't, uh, we don't uh, believe that today. Poverty is not a sign of God's blessing. Prosperity is not a sign of God's blessing. Amen? Sometimes those are traps, but uh, the presence of God in our life is a sign of his blessing. So let's, let's look at verse uh, 1. He said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. What Jesus is doing here is he's using something that everybody, the crowd, the, the Pharisees, the scribes, the disciples, everybody would have understood what was taking place because this was a common thing that went on. Rich people who owned many, many different properties, many different businesses, they had different people, stewards, kind of managers that would oversee their different enterprises. And what Jesus is saying here is that this one steward who evidently had control over a large part of uh, this man's uh, wealth, this man's property, that this man um, had not been faithful in what he was supposed to do. He, uh, he had not lived up to his job description, and, and we'll see what takes place. But, but what we really learn here is, first of all, is that God sees everything. I think this is a good lesson. If I was taking notes today, I would just go ahead and write that down, put it in your notes. You know, God sees everything. He really does. Uh, in Numbers chapter 32, the Bible says in the Old Testament, be sure your sins will find you out. Now, I know it's not real popular in our day and age to talk about sin, but can I tell you, sin's not your friend, okay? It, it will always cause a problem in our lives. In the book of Galatians, the scripture does clearly tells us that you're going to reap what you sow. In 1 Timothy chapter two or chapter five, we read that, that, that our sin will come to light. And, and this is written to believers, to Christians. Can I tell you that, that when we allow sin to become a part of or a practice in our life, that first of all, the Holy Spirit loves us enough to convict us of our sin. Right, Because he knows that sin is never going to bring benefit into our life. It's never going to bring the blessing of God into our life. And God loves us too much to let us to continue to hide or bury or cover sin in our lives. So he exposes it. He exposes it. The, uh, the, the next thing we see here is that, that this steward had abused his, um, his privilege. He had abused his position. And he was called into account for it. So uh, verse 2 says, So he called to him and he said to him, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your stewardship, for you can no longer be my steward. Now, I don't want to get real heavy here today, right? But I do want to ring the bell and sound the alarm that there is a day of accountability for every single one of us. 
that there's a day that we'll give an account for how we've used all of the resources, the time, the money, the opportunities, the gifts, the talents, the, uh, the abilities that God has given us. There'll be a time when everyone will give an account. So let's be honest. Let's be faithful. Let's be the sons and daughters that God wants us to be. Amen? No, okay. Uh, then in verse 3, it says, Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my master's taking the stewardship away from me. I cannot dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I find this is kind of humorous, okay, this part. So the steward, who for whatever period of time it is, has been going by his own reasoning, going by his own ability, <coughs> excuse me, and it has got him into this trouble. Now he says, well, I'm going to use my own reasoning and my own ability again to try to get myself out of trouble, all right? Has anybody ever uh, reasoned like that? I'm sure nobody here has ever done that. But that, to me, this equates to uh, I'm going to try, I tell a lie, and then uh, the answer to uh, the solution to telling the lie is, well, I'm going to tell another lie to get me out of the lie. And then I'm going to have to tell another lie. Has anybody ever seen this work? <laughs> That's just not a good plan, is it? That's a bad plan, all right? And, and what we see here is a bad plan. So rather than coming clean, he comes up with his own plan. Can I tell you, one of the great things that we're learning here at New Covenant Church is that when we mess up, when we blow it, don't run from God. Don't hide from God. Run to God. Amen? His grace is abundant. His mercy, his forgiveness. He, he, he's not going to condemn us. What he's going to do is say, hey, son, come on. That's not who you are. Let me restore you to the place that you really need to be. Amen? Amen. And then when it says there, he says, I cannot dig. You know what it's really saying? He was just lazy. You know, he was just lazy. And laziness is never going to be beneficial in our lives. The Bible says that the hand of the diligent maketh the rich. And then he goes on and he says, and I'm too ashamed to beg. Well, he wasn't too ashamed to steal, was he? <laughs> so how come now he's too ashamed to beg, right? No, it's all about him. He's only concerned about himself. And so he says in verse 4, I've resolved what I'm going to do, that when I'm put out of the stewardship they may receive me into their houses. Now, who's he talking about here? What he's talking about is all the debtors that we're going to read about in a minute. In the culture of honor that existed in this time, if you did something for me, then I owed you. Okay, if you showed me some goodness, you gave me a gift, you, uh, you expressed, a, you know, you did something for me, then I was kind of in your debt. And, uh, and listen, I think there's a lot of wonderful things about cultures of honor in India. I, I loved, you saw how that they uh, gave me a whole bunch of flowers and put this robe on me. And uh, I loved that culture of honor. Uh, every time you go into somebody's house, um, they, they, you have to eat something and drink something, okay? Which the first house we went, one day we went out and we made uh, visits in the homes. The first house we went in, that was wonderful. Little pieces of fruit and some coconut milk. I thought, oh, this is great. But then we went to house two, and house three, <laughs> and house four. And at house five, I told him, I said, I can't eat or drink anything else. My feet are swelling. My belly is swelling. <laughs> I, can't, I'm done, I, can't, I can't take any more honor. Honor is killing me here. I'm done, you know. So, uh, you know, but in this culture of honor, they would, um, they would owe. So what he did, verse 5, said he called every one of his, every one of his master's debtor to him. And, and pick up on this. Look how hard he's working 
at solving a problem, okay, rather than um, not creating the problem in the first part. But it says he's called every one of his master's debtors to him, and he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. So take your bill and sit down quickly and write this. Now, now, now don't miss this. We, we read this today, a hundred measures of oil, no big deal. But this hundred measures of oil, commentaries tell us, is about 900 gallons of oil. That's a lot of olive oil. Uh, one commentator said that, that uh, that's about three years' wages from 150 olive trees. Those trees, that the olives would have to be picked, would have to be crushed, and you know, all that. So what we hear, see here is this has been going on for some time. It's been going on for years, and, and maybe he lost sight of the fact that everything he was overseeing didn't belong to him, but it really belonged to the master. We don't want to lose sight of that, do we? Okay? And so in the next verse, it says that he said to the other, uh, how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. And he was being pretty generous with somebody else's stuff, wasn't he? A <laughs> hundred bushels of wheat, nine years of labor from a hundred acres of wheat. Nine years labor. You know what? This guy had been being lazy. He had been deceptive. He had been unrighteous. For years, and now he's acting with great cunning. Uh, he's completely unethical, and actually what he did was illegal. Uh, so he's, he's, he's just making the whole situation worse. And can I tell you what else he did? That to each and every one of those people that he went to, and I don't think it was just these two. I think there was a whole list of them, all right? That he, he, what he does is he says, hey, listen, I'm getting in trouble, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you out. Here, you owe 100, just write 50. You owe 100, just write 80. And he makes them an accomplice. He makes them guilty for going along with the plan. And can I tell you that when we speak, when we go along with wrong things, that it doesn't just let the wrong thing happen. It also implicates us in the matter. And listen to me, folks. I believe that's a word we need to hold on to today. Okay? Sometimes we think it's easier just to shut up and to go along with things. But if we stay quiet, if we stay silent, if we don't do anything, don't take any action, sometimes nobody's to blame but us. Amen? Okay? So, um, so then we get to, to this, uh, this final accounting that comes along. And, and even though things may have delayed for years, listen, there was a final accounting day then, and there will be a final accounting day for us, okay? Let, let, me, let me say, I'm not going to get into a whole theology of the end times, but I do believe Jesus is coming back. I do believe that there will be a time when as God's people, we will give an account, amen, of all the wonderful things, of all the things that we should have done, could have done, right? And God's going to render his rewards. Um, he's going to render his rewards. So let's, let's turn now to the application of this parable, okay? And, and again, what we're learning here is we're going to learn a good lesson from a bad example, so Jesus uh, speaks about the good steward, about the steward. When he speaks about the steward, he says two things in this application. One, he says, "Be like him," and then he says, "Don't be like him." All right, be like him and don't be like him. Verse eight. Here's the twist. So the master commended the unjust steward. He praised him. Does that, does that shock you somewhat that here's this man that obviously did wrong things to start with and did even maybe worse things to try to solve the problem? Okay, but the master, now there's some 
conjecture about, is this the master speaking the word in the Greek is kurios, it's Lord, so is it the master of the property or is it Jesus? Well, uh, yes, okay. <laughs> so the, I don't know that it would be the master of the property because he just got ripped off from a whole bunch of money, right? And I don't know if he's going to be praising this guy. But listen to what Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, this guy acted shrewdly. He dealt shrewdly. How did he deal shrewdly? Wisely, you know? How did he deal wisely? He dealt wisely in helping to prepare his future, to thinking about his future. And this is why Jesus said, the sons of this world are, the sons of this world are more shrewd, are more wise in their generation, not eternity, but in their generation than the sons of light. You know what he's saying here? He's saying that these people spend more time, more effort, more energy. They're more diligent in taking care of their future than the sons of light are in taking care of their eternal future and giving attention to their eternal future. This guy wasn't praised for his stealing or for his embezzlement or for lying or for sin or for any of the bad stuff, but for preparing his future. How many people have seen this in your own life? Sinful people will do anything to take care of their future. I mean, they'll lie, they'll steal, they'll cheat, right? They'll cheat on their taxes, they'll, uh, they'll stab you in the back, they'll climb over you so that they can go higher and, and that their, their futures can go better, right? We, we see that, we see this diligence, we see it all around us. I am flying back from India, I was on a, the flight from Chicago to Dallas and so I got on the flight, and I was seated uh, beside this man, and uh, I kind of had to get past him. I, you know, he, I was a big inconvenience to him, obviously, because he had to fold up his laptop, let me get in and sit down. <clears throat> but while we're sitting there uh, on, the, on the, you know, waiting to take off, man, he's working on his laptop, and he's on the phone, and he's talking about, we're going to have this meeting, we've got to get our reports and our projections, and he's just working, 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 you know. And then the, the stewardess came by and said, hey, you got to put everything up, and he puts it up. But the whole time, Evidently, the whole time I slept, but uh, from he was working when I slept, and he was working when I woke up. <laughs> he, uh, he was working, working, working. Soon as the, you know, we landed on the ground, he's back on the phone. He's back. He's diligent, man. Working, working, working. Gonna make a buck. Gonna make a dollar. Gotta make a business deal, right? And listen, there's nothing wrong with being good at business. God's business should be the best business, okay? But can I tell you that there's a lot of people that work so diligently for things that are gonna pass away professional athletes. Man, look at how much discipline and how much effort and energy they put in. And man, they watch what they eat and they, you know, they train and they train in the morning and they train in the afternoons and they, man, they just, you know, they stay, they just apply themselves diligently so they can be successful in sports and games. And, and I love sports and games. Okay. I was disappointed that the Mavericks lost by point last night, you know, but but listen, what about us? How disciplined, how diligent are we? And what Jesus is saying is if we would be just as diligent and just as, as, as active and just as concerned about our future, about our eternity, how much different would things be? How much different would our world be? And so Jesus goes on in verse 9, he says, I say to you then, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when they fail, you fail, or it fails, you may receive, they may receive you into an everlasting home. You know, you know what Jesus is really saying here? He's saying, take the money, take the wealth that you have now, and invest it and use it to win people to Jesus Christ, so that when you go to eternity, you'll have people there greeting you. 
Amen? Amen. I mean, have anybody ever heard that song, uh, Thank You for Giving to the Lord? I mean, that's what this, it's based on this scripture here. That, that when we go to heaven, that there will be people who will be there because of what we have done. So how do we do this? And I want to be very intentional here today, okay? One of the ways we do this is we use the money we have right now and we invest it in helping other people come to Jesus. We invest it in helping people come to Jesus, okay? Is, is everybody okay if people come to Jesus? I don't get too excited about it or anything. I mean, there's a party in heaven, but I don't want us right, right? Man, invest it. And I just want to challenge us. How intentional are we being about investing and in seeing people come to Jesus? How do we do that? Well, uh, and, and thank you to those of you that are being faithful with your tithes and your offerings. A portion of that tithe goes into a ministry fund that supports missionaries all around the world. But can I tell you, it's not just giving our tithe. Our tithe is God's, right? It's beyond the tithe. What are we doing with that 90% that God gives us? Are we investing in missions? Are we investing in giving to the poor and helping to reach out to the poor? Do you remember the scripture that says, if we give to the poor, who are we lending to? We're lending to God. Let me tell you something about God. When you lend to God, God pays good interest and he pays his bills. Amen? <laughs> he really does. So we should give. We should give. We should give uh, so that people can go and represent uh, us. And we should give to, to people who are working on, uh, on street evangelism. We need to be looking. We need to be diligent in using the financial resources that God entrusts us with to be connected to winning people to Jesus Christ. Uh, Yvette and I were at a meeting several years ago now, a very um, kind of high-profile meeting of a, of a group of people here in the community, and, um, and it was so amazing to hear this businessman, very successful businessman in our community say that my family, my business, and our foundation has decided we're not going to give any money to anything that's not connected to the name of Jesus Christ. And I say, hallelujah, amen. Let's do that. Now, again, if help people, help the Ukraine. Man, we're doing that. We're, and keep on doing that. And if you haven't given yet to help people in the Ukraine, God bless you anyhow. And, uh, <laughs> but but the, use those opportunities. I, I think that personally, directly, you should use some of your finances, your money, the, the, uh, what God gives you to directly touch people's lives. How do you do that? Man, somebody at work, look for the opportunity. Somebody at school, look for the opportunity. You see somebody maybe having a rough day, just invite them to go to lunch. Say, come on, man, I want to take you to lunch. Take them to lunch, buy their lunch, right? And, and, and then and just let love on them. And, and then sooner or later, they're saying, now, why would you do that? Why would you? Man, I love you because Jesus loves me. It's easy to plant those seeds, amen? It's easy to do that. We all okay? All right? So invest, okay, invest in yourself. Uh, another way, and I still believe this is going to be one of God's end time strategies for the body of Christ, is to practice intentional hospitality, okay? Spend some of your money, buy some extra casseroles, put them in the freezer, and when you hear of a neighbor in need, get one of those casseroles out of the freezer, take it over, and let them know, hey, I'm giving this to you because God loves you and so do I. There's very intentional ways we can show the love of Jesus Christ. 
with the financial things that God gives us. Amen? So, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in what is much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust in what is much. I think what this verse says to us here is that it's not really about how much we have. Okay, It's not about what's in our hands and our wallets. It's about what's in our hearts. It's about who we are. I've heard people say, man, I can't afford to tithe. I can't afford to give. Can I tell you, I can't afford not to tithe. I can't afford not to give. I can't afford not to, to live generously because I know what God's promise is and what I've seen practically in our lives is that God says he who will source others will be well sourced by God. I want to be connected to the economy of God. The economy of this world's up and down, right? I mean, thank God for stock markets and all that kind of stuff. Great week, worst day. If you're watching the stock market, right, this past week, had great, great week, one of the worst days in the last few years. But, but you know what? Can I tell you? The economy of God is always trending upwards. It's always going to be secure. And that's what we want to be connected with. So you can't afford to. And, and again, it's not necessarily about the, the stuff. It's about your heart. What are you committed to? And, and, I, and again, <laughs> is this too heavy yet? Not yet. Okay, all right. Yvette said, don't be too heavy, all right? So I have to watch here. The Holy Spirit in Yvette, right? <laughs> so <laughs> is the, the, this, this issue of, am I more concerned about my tangible uh, retirement plan than my heavenly retirement plan? I mean, what is it for real? Or would I, would I sacrifice? Would I take a chance? Would I risk saying, I'm not going to invest everything here so I can, invest, so I can um, invest some stuff there and truly believe that God will take care of me because I'm doing his will, amen, in his kingdom. Verse 11 goes on and says, therefore, if you've not been faithful in a, the unrighteous mammon, the earthly money, who will commit to your trust true riches? You know what the scriptures, what Jesus is saying? He's saying, if you can't even be faithful with just a little bit of earthly stuff, how are you going to be trusted with spiritual responsibilities? You want to be used greatly and mightily by God and have gifts and talents and ability and worldwide ministries, but you can't even handle a little earthly stuff. God wants, he's looking for people. He's looking for people to give influence in the kingdom of God. He's looking for sons and daughters who will rise up and that God could trust them with any amount of resources because it doesn't matter how much he puts in them, it's going to go through them. It's not just going to be spent on living better. It's going to be spent on giving better, making the kingdom of God and the eternity better. God's looking for people to... To, to grow in spiritual responsibilities. God's looking for people that'll, that'll have divinely appointed opportunities to witness for Jesus. But if we can't handle dollars, how are we going to handle the important things of men's souls and men's eternities? You know, I'm serious about this, guys. Maybe this just resonates with me, but can I tell you, I believe this is serious on the heart of God. I, I want to get to heaven. <laughs> I want to get to heaven and, and I don't, please understand my heart. I don't want to be proud about this. I'll be thankful if one person is standing there saying, man, thank you for what you did. Thank you for what you did. 
I can tell you what I really want is I want there to be a multitude of people that say, because you let God use you, because you let God work in you, because you let God work through you, because you let God get resources into and through your lives. My life was touched. My life was changed. My life was transformed. And I'm here because of what God did through you. Is there anybody else that wants that? Is there anybody else that wants to be, man, I can't even see the end of the line of people that are saying, thank you. And then we can all walk together, take those crowns that God gives us and throw them at the foot of Jesus and worship him throughout eternity. Amen? Amen. Amen. And if you've been faithful in what's another man's, who will give you what is your own? Okay? So what, it's gonna, it's gonna, we're going to be blessed in here on earth. We're going to be blessed in eternity. Look, we're not doing this to earn our salvation. Your place in heaven's guaranteed, okay? If you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior... Can I tell you, and we probably need to teach on this a little bit more, but your position in heaven is going to depend on what you do right here on earth. There's going to be a lot of stuff takes place in heaven. There really is. It's not just going to be floating around on harps, and there's going to be some amazing stuff that takes place. I want us all, I want us all to be um, abundantly rewarded, abundantly rewarded. Amen? All right, so let's, uh, let's get ready to wrap up here. If we've been unfaithful... If I've been unfaithful, if you've been unfaithful in the trust that God's given us, you know, one of the first things we should do is just repent. God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry if I've been like that unfaithful steward, if I've been self-indulgent and self-concerned and self-absorbed. I've concerned more about my here and now than I am about eternity. God, help me to realize that I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. And so, God, I want to settle in my heart today. What verse 13 says, no, master, no servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will love the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Look, a lot of people use money to get their identity. It kind of feeds their pride. It, uh, it's a source of power to people. But if, if money does any of those things in our lives, can I tell you what it's doing? It's putting a hook in our lives. It's taking up space in our lives that only the Holy Spirit should have because the only place we get our identity as followers of Jesus is from him, amen? The, the only place, the only person that has any power, any authority in our life is Almighty God, amen? So let's be sure. Let's be sure that our hearts are fully and completely committed to the Lord. Let's, let's be sure that's where we're at. So here we go. Who are you going to serve? That's my question. Who are you going to serve today? Just shut your eyes for a minute and just think about these questions as I ask them. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve Jesus of Lord of all and as your Lord? Are you going to remember that it all came, if you have anything at all today, that it all came from God, it all belongs to him. I think we all realize we can't take it with us, right? You've heard the story about the rich man. Guy was at the funeral and he said, uh, he said, hey, how much did this guy leave behind? And the funeral guy said, he left it all behind. You can't take it with you, but can I tell you, you can send someone ahead by how you use the resources that God has given you. So who are you gonna serve? How's it gonna show in your life? 
Are you going to practice generosity generosity personally? And can I tell you, are you going to teach it to your children? Folks, we have got a world of kids who are being raised to be self-absorbed and only concerned about themselves, what they want, how they want it, when they want it. One of the greatest, most loving things that we can do as parents okay, is to let them see us practice faithfulness and generosity and then give them the opportunities. T- take them to the store just to buy a toy for somebody else, not for themselves. And then help them learn this. Help them learn this. The final thing I want is I want you to know that it is all worth it. We don't reap to, we don't sow to reap, but we can't sow without reaping. And I want to tell you, God is a faithful, faithful rewarder. In this last days, I believe the world is trying to to, to re, you know, I, I really do the, believe the enemy is trying to release a spirit of fear. He tried to do it through the pandemic. And now I think he's trying to do it in the earth through wars and rumors of wars and f- concerns about runaway inflation. And, and certainly we need to be wise. But can I tell you this? One of the wisest things we can do is say, fear doesn't get a voice in my life. Only God gets a voice in my life. And God, I don't care how high things go and how expensive things are. God, I'm going to be faithful to you. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to be faithful with what you put in my hand. I'm, I'm going to use it, God, to build your kingdom for your glory and believe without, uh, just without wavering that you will take care of my life. And so because of that today, God, I'm going to commit my life. I'm going to commit my, fi- my heart. I'm going to commit all that I have, all that I am to you. For your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. And if that's what you want to do, I just want to ask you to stand right where you're at today. That's you. That's what I want, God. Okay? Hallelujah. Yeah, and as you do that, why don't you just go ahead and lift your hands and say, God, here, I give you me as an offering. I give you my heart. Everything that I have, God, it's all yours. Every dime and every dollar, every talent, every ability, God, any minutes or moments or time that I have here on planet, it's all because of you. And so, God, I come back and say, God, I give it to you. God, I want to make heaven bigger. I want to see eternity impacted through all that I am, all that I have, and all that I do for your glory in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity. To be here with my brothers and my sisters today, God, I love them and I know you love them. Holy Spirit, God, I want this to be so much more, God, than just a a sermon on a Sunday. God, I believe that there really are, there are people that we come in contact with day in and day out and their eternity hangs in the balance. God, let us be willing to invest, as Pastor Corey said earlier today, just to risk speaking out, risk investing, <clears throat> investing a word, investing a, the cost of a meal, investing a little hospitality, oh God, that they might be one to you, Jesus. They might experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness and, and all that you are. God, do that today, I pray. God, do it today in my life. Do it in each and every one of our lives today. God, help us 
to be faithful in little, that we can be rulers of much. Help us, oh God. Help us to learn good lessons from the bad lesson of the unjust steward. We want to be faithful in everything that you've trusted in us with. God, we want to be faithful, God, to bring you glory, to bring you honor, because you're worthy. You're worthy. You deserve, God, all of our loyalty, all of our faithfulness. We could never, we could never give you enough to say thank you for everything that you've done in our lives, for saving us, for healing our bodies, for, God, for touching our marriages, for, for, for impacting our children. God, God, we, we could never do enough, Lord. So, God, I pray, let us be diligent. Let us be more wise, more diligent, more shrewd. God, than the people of the world in doing the work of the kingdom by your spirit and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen.